Uh, Dylan Carter, how you doing, man? Doing great, Brett. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. How's uh, how's the training going for 2020, man? It's been phenomenal. I've been really happy to be back uh, in San Diego since the new year has started, and um, I've been, the group has been great. I'm living with um, some really focused guys, uh, some German boys that are working hard as well, Marius Kush and uh, Jacob Heitman. So um, we're in a good headspace and working hard. How do you get from Trinidad to where you are today, man? Like what's the, like someone who's living in your country right now and, and seeing where you're at, what's the path, man? How did they get there? Hmm. All right. Well, I guess it started when I was 12. I was a water polo player. All my friends were playing water polo and uh, I wanted to kind of be in the after school hangout. So I started in that and there was a, a team that we all tried out to make and, and I didn't make the team and the swim coach saw me and he was like, you know what, you, you've been swimming back and forth, give it a try. And I, I gave swimming a try and I kind of found a little bit of success regionally at the little Carifta meets and stuff. And then I told my mom when I was 16, I was like, I need to go to America um, if I want to get to recruited and she, if I want to get recruited. And she said, no way, we're letting, letting you leave at 16. And I begged and begged and begged and um, eventually she let me move up to Florida to American Heritage where I went to high school and managed to get recruited by a couple of D1 colleges um, you were there for that that process a bit um, and then ended up at USC and and you know the rest is history kind of yeah so was it always swimming for you what what, uh, what led you to kind of want to be in that that realm of swimming uh, per se I, I remember when I was a kid, um, I must have been eight, and I was sitting in my mom's room, and she came home, and she was in a great mood. I was like, Mom, are you so happy today? What happened? And she said, our, our swimmer just won a bronze medal. And that was when, when I was eight years old, George had won a bronze medal in Athens 2004. And when I saw the impact on the entire population of a country, you know, that you can make in, in such a small, in, in a race, you know, in an event, um, that, that really inspired me in, to be a sports person, you know, beyond, and then, I mean, eventually I found myself in swimming, but that was a really inspiring moment for me. And I, I saw the impact that it made and it kind of lit a fire in me. Um, and, and I happened to have a talent for it. So it worked out. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, you know, one thing I've noticed about you in my time, my short time, just being around you and watching you train, you have a pretty incredible work ethic and, and you're driven uh, internally by something. What, what is it that's driving you? What, what pushes you every day? I, I don't know. I want to inspire. I want to inspire a generation like I was. Um, I, I look at swimming in the Caribbean um, and I think that these kids – I mean, we have a couple top-level athletes with myself and, you know, Renzo and Alia, among others. But I think these kids, they deserve to have someone to look up to and, and to see that if Dylan can do it or if Renzo can do it, I can do it too. And I had that in George when I was a kid. So really, that, that's kind of what, um, what pushes me along. And also, I love the sport. The sport has given me so much. Um, it's shown me the world. It's, it's given me some of my best friends. It's given me a college education. So... 
I mean, I, I love working hard every day and I'm, I'm really lucky to get to do what I love. So I try to give it my all. Yeah, for sure. Now you've already had an, an Olympic experience. How, how do you, uh, how was that first experience? Uh, <clears throat> well, 2016 was kind of stressful because I was chasing this A cut. Uh, I took the year off of college mm. and eventually I got invited with my B cut, which was really close to the A. And that was like a, a weight lifted off my shoulder. And I had these two really experienced Olympians, Roland Schumann and George Provel with me in 2016. And when I got there, they taught me how to walk like an Olympian and talk like an Olympian and, and feel like an Olympian. And I think that it was a real learning experience for me. And now I feel like I'm ready to actually perform on that stage. Whereas the first one was kind of getting a feel for it and, and really believing that you belong to be there. Yeah. That's, that's funny that you say that. Cause I had a very similar experience. You know, I, I was chasing just making the Olympics uh, my first time around in Sydney, 2000. And, and then, you know, once you get there, you realize that the chase is just, just, a part of the journey you know once you're there then then what are you going to do and I think a lot of athletes don't prepare themselves for that for that moment where hey it's time to perform actually at the Olympics not just get to the Olympics Um, and so I think that's where you're at in your development your stage now is that you're in this situation where you've been through that experience and now it's time to go and actually perform at the Olympics so what's What's the event that you're, what's the events maybe that you're aiming at for, for this year in Tokyo? Well, I've got the A cut in the hundred free alone so far. So, um, definitely that one. Um, I think I've got massive potential in the hundred fly. My 50 fly is world class. Um, if I could just put together a second lap, I think that, that I should, I should be really good at that. So I want to put that in there. Um, my hundred back has been getting better and better. So between the 100 back and the 200 free on that, I think, first or second day, that's the kind of decision I have to make. Um, so it would likely be between those four events. Yeah. So it's interesting that you say that. You know, I've got, to, I've got to get a second 50. So what are you doing specifically right now in order to get that, uh, get that second 50 you need? I don't know. I've just been swimming a little bit more fly. Um, in, in the past or throughout my career thus far, it's always been something that I kind of just touch every now and then, you know, a couple of dive 25 fly or something I, I throw in as I start tapering. Um, and I'm, I'm a powerful guy and I've got good underwaters. So, I, you know, it was natural for me. I've got the stroke, but I, I never did the, the work in the butterfly stroke like that I did in freestyle, the, the grinding, you know, the fifties where you're holding and your stroke is falling apart, but you want to kind of keep your hips up and find that way to finish that lap. So I'm trying to get to that point in practice in butterfly a bit more frequently. Um, so kind of mixing it in with some of my bigger freestyle sets as well. You know, you and I both know, the answer to this question but there's a lot of people that don't but how do you how do you get better every day like isn't don't you know everything already like is how is Helen Carter getting better I know far far from everything um I know I mean there's a saying that goes the more you learn the more you realize you don't know um yeah. and 
Yeah, I think a lot of it has been, um, as you move on in the sport, has been mindset and energy oriented. You want to find yourself surrounded by people who have the similar energy and a similar work, work ethic and and finding that rhythm where you really believe in what you're doing and and stuff like that. I mean, technique and hard work and all that, obviously, meat and potatoes, but you get down to the Olympics, everybody's fit. Everybody's going to be strong. You know, everybody's got good technique. So mm-hmm. what makes the difference? It's who's had the rhythm, who's had the the six months, 12 months, two years of good energy and, and good, you know, positive mindset and, and that, that base belief, you know, that you've really done it. And I feel like that kind of gets me, I don't know, gets me going on the day to day. Yeah. You got one of the best coaches in the world right now. And, and you've had uh, one uh, through college in, Dave Salo was your college coach, and now Dave Marsh is your is your um, everyday coach leading into the into the games. What have you learned from maybe both of those uh, separately? Let's say. Yeah, I've been incredibly fortunate to have worked with some of the best coaches in the world, um, with Dave Salo, who is a pioneer in his own right, um, for five years at USC, and then to come down and work with um, David Marsh, who coached our first Olympic medalist from Trinidad so we feel like it's kind of um, all come full full circle you know Um, David coaching me now but I I don't know I'm incredibly grateful and and it's it's interesting to see you know that how their styles are different and um, sort of learn from them every day Dave is a very Dave Salo is a very hands-off type guy so he he's a genius in terms of the physiology and the science, um, but he's he's less engaged than um, David Marsh is. So he he sort of throughout college, I was kind of you know finding my own motivation and um, kind of trying to you know it, it was more of a hands off approach, and and I think it works you know for the most part. I think I think that swimmers have to be self-motivated because it is an individual sport so I think he's his coaching style is conducive to that whereas now I'm in a smaller group with um, more athletes and I feel like David Marsh is he'll more um, get on you you know if he thinks you're not doing something that you should be and I appreciate that but yeah it's it's cool to learn from them I think they're both geniuses in their own right yeah for sure absolutely so I guess the uh, the big events, the the hundred free that you've got right now. Do you like to race a lot, or do you uh, you like to train more and then race a few times before the games? Which do you prefer? Uh, I don't know. I, I like to race fairly frequently, maybe you know once or twice a month. Mm. Um, I I think that's what I'm going to keep it to now. I think I was doing it once every week or so in the fall with ISL and everything. Um, and, and that got to be a bit much. I, I like racing once it doesn't have to have to be travel, you know, because the travel is exhausting and that takes away from the training, I think. Um, so I don't mind racing every week. We can practice, you know, put on a race suit and do something on Saturday. I really, really like that. But um, I, I would prefer to stay away from the racing if it means big travel every week or every two weeks. So I'm trying to keep it or limited down to a little bit less. 
Yeah. Well, that's an interesting point you bring up with the ISL. You know, you were part of the LA Current and, and the first season of the International Swim League. What were your thoughts on that? How did you feel like it was received and, and how did you respond to it? I was I was really, really happy to, to first of all just be a part of such a great team, the LA Current. I, I was um you know, offered to join the team by a former Trojan legend, uh, Lenny Kreselberg and, and I jumped at the opportunity. I think it's the future of the sport of swimming for us to as professional athletes, you know, have our own league and um make a little bit of a salary and kind of get the sport out there because swimming is one of the most popular sports in the world, kids swim, you know, adults swim up into age, whatever, you know, 70, 80. So I feel like people should want to watch swimming. And I think that it's an, an awesome thing. And it was great to be a part of it. Um, and to be a part of a team that's not college, you know, it is, it was like college, but you're all professionals, you know, so it's like college, but on steroids, everybody's so much better. And it was cool to be around these, legends like Nathan Adrian and Matt Grievers and, and learn from them as well because these are guys that I looked up to as a young swimmer and to be swimming with them on relays and next to them in races it's like surreal to me yeah what do, what do people do what do professional athletes do when they're away from the racing pool I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would be interested to know like like what do you guys do in the in the lead up to the meet in the lead up to the meet I, I like to keep it kind of low key you know obviously nothing too too physical but lately we've been playing a lot of video video games in this um place so we've been playing a lot of fifa a lot of smash bros to just kind of take your mind away from the pool when you when you come home and you're exhausted i've been reading a lot as well um you know watch watch a little bit of movies and stuff and you know just casual stuff maybe go down to the beach and chill out but i don't know i feel like i love I love sports, so I love to play football or what Americans would call soccer and, and stuff like that. But it's things that I can't do as much now just because I'm trying to save myself for the next practice. Yeah, so what is uh, what does a week look like for you, just a general week? Uh, what are some of the things that you, other than swim up and down the pool? Hmm. Well, it would be what? around 20 hours of swimming. Um, and then on a recovery day, like Wednesday, I try to get down to the beach or to the shore and just kind of see the ocean and see a little bit of nature just to kind of get my head out of the chlorine. Mm. Um, but beyond that, you know, I spend a lot of time preparing for the next practice or preparing my meals, you know, because I don't have people that sort of take care of that. So I'm cooking a lot of the time, which has sort of become a little bit of a creative outlet for me. Um, yeah. which is cool, but spend a little bit more time in the kitchen and trying to eat a little bit healthier. Like I said, with a lot of my free time, I've been reading or playing, playing Xbox. <laughs> yeah. How, do you do, you know, do you do any yoga or Pilates or weightlifting or, you know, what, what are the other things that you do to um, strengthen the body? Yeah, we, we, three days a week, we're in the gym. So we're lifting weights. We're doing Olympic lifts, uh, hand clean snatches, um, a lot of pull-ups, a lot of bodyweight work as well, push-ups. Um, and then twice a week, we do a little bit of 
gymnastics work with a gymnastics coach as a team. And that's a lot of core work and a lot of explosive stuff. So we'd spend about 45 minutes to an hour on, on just ab work or like balance. Um, stuff mm. that makes you generally more athletic. So working on your handstands or, or your somersaults or, you know, bouncing on a sort of a ball-to-ball type thing and, and doing some explosive movements like that or, um, you know, some core works on rings or holding planks in interesting ways, which is, it's been a new addition to my training and I've been really enjoying it. Wow. That's super cool. So what's your, what's your weakness then? What, what do you need to strengthen? Uh, what are you working on? You know, maybe, maybe outside of the pool or inside of the pool. What are, what are your weaknesses? I think inside of the pool, I've, I've got a great kick. I think my upper body and my tempo is a little bit lacking. I've been coming from this 200 freestyle background, so trying to race the 100 long course. Um, I, I struggle a little bit to get my, my tempo going, like some of those um, sprint guys. Um, outside of the pool, I think that I just needed, or I have been trying to be a bit more professional in all aspects of my life. Dave Saylor, we call it being a 24-hour athlete. So mm. make sure you get an eight to nine hours every night of top-notch sleep. Um, which means putting away the screens mm. and everything a couple hours before bed, which is a little bit annoying because, you know, we're so surrounded by screens. It's crazy when you try to put it away two hours before, you're like, well, what do I do? I can't watch TV. I can't text anybody on my phone. Yeah. Um, so trying to, trying to put that away and get that good night's sleep, you know, like I said, cooking all my meals. Um, it's really easy to... When you're tired after a hard workout, oh, let's go grab Chipotle or let's go grab this. So I've been trying to cut that out. That's, that was one of my resolutions. So, yeah, just being more of a 24-hour athlete and being conscious of the next workout of, you know, the best thing I can do in this moment yeah. more frequently. Yeah, cool. Now, are you going to have family travel to Tokyo to watch you? Definitely. Um, it's been a, a bit of a hassle to find a place for them to stay. Uh, so if you've got any hotel rooms lined up, let me know. <laughs> but um, definitely my mom and dad will come. My younger sister will likely come as well. Maybe a couple of my other siblings. <clears throat> you know, everybody everybody wants to come. All the extended family and everybody, they say, yeah, we're going to Tokyo. But it's just, this one is so hard um, to get to in terms of location and accommodations and everything is... You know, I'm sure more people would love to come out, but I definitely will have some family out there. How do you separate that normally? Are you good at being able to still perform? You know, do you perform better when people are there watching, your family and friends, or or do you prefer to kind of just separate that? Absolutely. Um, I definitely call myself Carl and call myself a big meat swimmer. Um, I don't know what it is per se, because if I did, then I would be able to perform at top levels, you know, every weekend. Um, but I don't know what it is about having the family around or it being a big event, maybe flying overseas. Um, it really gets my emotional energy invested and, and something triggers in my brain that creates a response in my body that says that this is a big deal. Maybe it's because dad and mom are here and they flew 18 hours to come to this. Mm. or because there's 10,000 people in the stands instead of nobody. Um, so I don't know. I really thrive on those moments, and I think it's the moments that 
I train for every day. And it's it's the most fun part of our entire sport is is when we get to go and showcase what we've been working on um, and, and put yourself on the line in front of everyone. So I, I love those moments. And I mean, I, I hope to have more and more of them as we go on. Yeah, absolutely, man. So what do you think it's going to take to make the final in uh, in the 100 freestyle? What what time do you think you got to go? I think it's it's going to be quick. It's going to be around 47.7. I don't know what you think. I know you've been doing a couple of predictions yourself on the winning times and <laughs> the world records and stuff, but I, I think around 47.7 is what I've got to go to be in that mix. And, and once you once you get in the final, you know, it's it's anybody's game. I've been studying Olympic 100 freestyles of history, and, and you see guys come out from lane one all the time and, and win a medal or lane two. Um so, so really, the first step, like you said, there's steps along the way. Is you got to make your first Olympics. You get that out the way. You learn. Now you come to your second Olympics to win a medal, and you got to go through the rounds. You got to make the semis. You got to make it into the finals. So that's what I'm focusing on. You know, just getting through the rounds one by one, and and hopefully I can find myself in that mix coming down to the end. Yeah, man, absolutely. A guy by the name of Dewey Jagranya, uh finished with a silver medal by a hundredth of a second behind Gary Hall from lane eight when I swam in the final of the 50 freestyle. So, I mean, you can, you can, and, and Gary was in lane two, he won the gold. So, I mean, you can do it from any lane, man. It doesn't matter as long as you've got a lane in that final, uh, it's open. open yeah, you got a lane, got a chance. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I think the world record's going to go this year in the 100 freestyle. I think it's time. I think it's been around for 10 years and people have been peppering it, getting really close. And I think I think certainly this year is going to be the year where everybody steps up and gets a lot closer to that. And eventually someone's going to knock it off, I think, this year. But uh, but yeah, I think you're right. 47.7 sounds pretty accurate to make top eight. And and then, and then, like you said, man, it's anyone's game. So I think you're right there. I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in you, and I love watching you train. I love watching you race, and uh, I'm so glad you came on the podcast just to learn a little bit more about you today, man. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brett. It was awesome, and I look forward to listening to these um, in the future as well. You'll have some good guests on there. Yeah, I hope you're not too sad to see that if that world record does go, you think you'd be sad? I know you coached the current world record holder, yeah? Yeah, Back no, yeah. Yeah, 09, Caesar Cielo. I remember standing on the side of the pool deck uh, watching that unfold and then um, and then the emotions that, of, of breaking the world record and being part of that, yeah. Um, I remember, I'll tell you this, we were in the locker room in Rome and uh, we had those suits that you had to zip up at the time you know um and i remember caesar asked me to help him with his suit and zip the suit up at the back and then after we 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 got it all on he just turned around looked at me and said i'm about to break the world record and uh and i was like wow like i could just see it in his eyes so it was certainly a decision he'd made before he got behind the blocks and um and that was about 25 minutes before the race before he went to the down to the marshalling area and ready room and and then uh and then i just knew so you know i went back to the coaches stand talked to some of my coaches said he's he's about to break the world record it's about to happen so we we knew something special was going on and um it's crazy to think that it's lasted 10 years but at the same time i think it's it's time to go so i'll, I'll be i'll be uh just as excited as anyone to see it go. And, and I'm hoping that, um, I'm hoping it's your name, man. That'd be nice. You know? 
<laughs> yeah, that'd be sweet. It's funny how that works, though. You know, like, there's one more thing before I go. It's, like you said, how Caesar said, I'm going to break the world record. It's like, when I was in... Man. Yeah. Yeah, just um, how, yeah, right? just uh, stand there again, wherever you are, and then just say that story again. Yeah, I was just saying how uh, it's it's funny when you said that Caesar told you he was going to break the world record uh, when I was in my one of these world championship finals at Short Coast Worlds. I uh, swam in a couple of finals before and placed fourth and and whatnot, but never won a medal. And I saw, when I was heading down to this 50-fly final, I saw my roommate at the time, Christian Quintero, and I told him, I don't know where it came from, it just came out of my mouth. I told him, I'm going to win a medal tonight. And he was like, all right, let's go. And I gave him a hug, and so said, so done. You know, bronze medal came out. It's it's so crazy when you claim that before, it almost comes out of you when the moment comes. Yeah, man, it's the power of belief. You know, when you uh, when you say it, you put it into action, and um, and every fiber of your body believes it. You know, I think it's just one of those things where you don't hope for something to happen. You know, it's going to happen, and you're going to go out there and make it happen. And and it's just a matter of going through the process and and getting the job done. But um, there's no doubt in your mind that it's going to get done. And I think that goes back to that that Mamba mentality that, that Kobe Bryant had, you know, I, I, I love that mentality. And I think that when you tap into that, you've had that experience. I've had that experience. Um, it's so true. And, and I, and I want you to remember that because it's going to, you're going to need that come Tokyo. So um, make sure you take that mentality with you. All right. Will do. Thanks for having me, Brad. All right, man. Take care. Yeah, you too. Bye.